continued on this morning. Amen. How many have been learning some stuff? Amen. This is vital, church, to, to our faith. Amen. This is vital to these last days. We've got to understand who Jesus is. So we've been talking, if you haven't been here or missed a service, um, about do you really know who Jesus is? And who is Jesus to you? And I read this morning out of, out of the book of Matthew when, when God, sorry, Jesus came to his disciples and he said, who do you say that I am? And, and one other scripture that we didn't read this morning, they began to say, well, uh, or I might have even not read it this morning. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say that you're, you're, you're Moses. You know, they could go on to say you're this or you're that. And they, they said these different things. And today the world says Jesus is a prophet. He a, was a great man. He was a, a great teacher. Uh, most people will not deny, even in any religions, that Jesus was a great man. But Jesus was not just a great man, amen? Jesus was God. And Peter said, I say that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then God said, Jesus, God, said to Peter, this has not been revealed to you by flesh, but by my spirit. And we've got to understand, that if you listen to that verse right there tonight, that God wants us to have a revelation of who Jesus is. Amen? And the church has to understand that he's not just a name that is up on a billboard. Amen? He is what the Bible says he is, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen? Sometimes you might think, well, Jesus is just the door, which he is, or he's just the way, which he is, or he's, just, he's not just anything, he's everything. Can you say amen? He is everything tonight. He is everything tonight. He is everything I need. He's everything I'll ever need. He's everything I've ever needed. Amen. He is everything to me. If Jesus is anything less than everything to you, you need help. You need a revelation. You need a conversion experience. But let's start off again in 2 John. We were in 1 John. And this is what's going on. I'm not going to play a video again tonight. I showed Wednesday. I showed this morning that Oprah... Very well-known woman on TV, very powerful, multi-billionaire woman, uh, has a large following, has her own network now. Uh, it has been very clear in saying that there is more than one path to God. And we saw some clips, and I, that's basically what the clip says. She's in a show, and she's talking, and she says, uh, that there are many paths to God. There's many ways to be saved. There's many ways to get to God. And, and you know, everybody does it in their own way. And everybody says it how they want. I'm going to hit a few verses on that tonight. But then someone shouted in the crowd, no, Jesus is the only way. And so she catches her attention and she looks out at her and she says, what do you mean? What about Jesus? What about Jesus? And that's what the world does today. And I began to think about this, and I'll get into this in a second. Did you know that that name is hated. There is no one, there's no, you know, little bit of the other. It's either you love Jesus or you hate Jesus. And we love Jesus, but this world hates Jesus. And there's something about that name. And, and if you could go to some summit tonight of the G8 or the G20, you could mention God. You could say God and you'd be okay. 
You'd be all right. If, if all the governments came together from the world, you could mention God, and, and most people, you know, you got some communist people that wouldn't be all right with it, but most people would be like, yeah, God, you know, we all believe in the same God, and, and it's very general, and we talked this morning about that word I hope you wrote down, pantheism. That is the belief today. That means that all roads lead to God. And whatever path you're on, that when, you know, if you are a Buddhist, that that Buddhist path will lead you to God. If you are an atheist, that atheist path will lead you to God. If you're a Muslim, that Muslim path will lead you to God. And all paths will get you to God, and God is in everything. And really, they go further to think that we are gods. We can become like God. We're just, you know, because the Bible said we're created in His image. And so the Bible tells us clearly that the true remnant church, this is what you got to get, if we're going to be the remnant church that God wants us to be, we cannot believe anything less than that Jesus Christ is John 14, 6, the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes unto the Father except through him. Amen. So 2 John doesn't have a chapter, just verses. Verse 7 says, For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Now listen carefully to this. Look at this verse again. I want you to understand something. Who is the Bible written to? The church. We can't forget that. I think a lot of times we're reading the Bible, we read a verse, and for some reason we think, well, he's talking to the worldly people that don't know God. He's not talking to worldly people. He's talking to us. And so if you look at this verse clearly, he says, many deceivers have gone out where? Into the world. From where? From the church. Are you following that? They have gone out into the world from the church. So that means that they started off right. You know that we've got a saying here. If you, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And so a lot of people start off good in God. Somewhere along the way, they begin to deviate. They begin to go off on different paths, and they don't end right. Here's the good news of the gospel. You can, end, you can start wrong and end right. But you don't want to start right and end wrong. Amen. So it says here that these people started off right, but it says many deceivers have gone out into the world. Remember the verse we read this morning. I think I might read that, that part again. Go, go one chapter back. Let me read that again. I, I wasn't going to do this, but I, because I'm talking about this, I want to. Go one chapter back, or one book back, 1 John chapter 2, not chapter 1. Amen. We were, I was a little confused because of my notes this morning. 1 John chapter 2, and look what this says. This is, again, showing us that a, a preacher, a church, a Christian, a denomination, a people can start off in the truth and err. Okay? How many are understanding that? This is not talking to the world. Because a, a person who is not saved and has not confessed Christ is never on, is never on the path to go off of it. They're lost. He's talking to people who at one time believed that Jesus Christ was who he is and somewhere along the way false doctrines began to come in and indoctrinate us and we began to believe them and he said they're seducing spirits and they're so worried about it that we see in all these gospels and all these uh, books by Paul and Timothy and Peter and, all the, and Luke and John and all these men are saying be careful because this is a strong spirit. 
And, and so he says, look at this, in chapter 2 of 1 John, verse 18, little children, in the last hour, as you've heard that the Antichrist is coming, and even now, and I want to say this again for those that weren't here this morning, many Antichrists have come. Okay? So you've got two types of Antichrist. One is the actual Antichrist who is going to come on the scene, who is going to come into the world, who is going to deceive everybody. But before he comes, he's got a lot of little John the Baptists, so to speak. He's got a, little, a bunch of little, little A antichrists who are paving the way for him to deceive. And what better way could he deceive if, if the church has been numbed by non-biblical preaching? And if the church has been in, in a state of existence that looks right, Philippians says, has a form of godliness, but denies the power thereof. And so these little antichrists are, are numbing the church and numbing the people and giving them just enough truth to, to, to have them there, but not too much truth where they would be believers be saved and be ready. And watch this. He says, they've come and are coming. And we know by this that we're in the last hour. There's always been deception. But, the, you know, I've been talking about the word megachurch. The megachurch has not existed forever. It's new. It's in the last 20, 30 years. You see, these churches begin to grow and grow and grow. Because before that church, before that megachurch move that is not of God today because of what is being preached, before that happened, people were doing what they did in the book of Acts. They were planting churches. They went to cities. They planted a church. That church grew. And out of that church, they planted another church. And out of that church, another church. And instead of having everybody come to some mecca, and worship the God that's preaching, they sent people out to cities and they expanded the gospel. Think about it. If the mega church was of God, think about this. If the mega church was of God, it, the gospel never would have got to us. Stop and think on that for a second. That means there would have been a big, large congregation in Jerusalem and the gospel would never got to the United States. Because everybody ever go over there. Go there, go there, go there. We've got to go to Jerusalem. We got to, hey, everybody wants to go to Jerusalem. I'd like to see Israel, but that's not God's plan. His plan was go into all the world and preach the gospel. So we see this happening. Now watch this. He says, verse 19, they went out from us. If they went out from us, that means they had to at one time be of us. But they were not of us. For if they had been of us, that means if they had continued they would have, it says, continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. These are false preachers. These are false teachers. These are people who are, down verse 22, denying that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Antichrist, little a, who denies the Father and the Son. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to read the verses I read again this morning. But I want you to go, and I want to start off tonight to finish this up in Proverbs chapter 14. Because what we have today is a world of people who want to do things their way and not God's way. Proverbs 14, and also 16.25, but I'm going to read. They both say the same thing. Proverbs 14.25 says, sorry, 14.12. There is a way... That seems right to a man. How many agree with that? How many have seen that in your own life? 
There's always something that seems right to us. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, the Bible says its way is death. So I can say tonight, well, I don't really, you know, I don't really agree that Jesus is the only way, and I think that he's a great man, and whatever. So I'm inventing my own way. And the Proverbs, Solomon said, hey, there's a lot of people who have a way that seems right to them, but it's not God's way. This is the reason, now 1625 says the same thing. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Do you think that Solomon forgot what he wrote two chapters before, or was he saying something again because it might have been important? Amen? Here's the key to this sermon in this series. The name of Jesus is offensive. It's a clash because of this very verse right here. Nobody wants somebody to tell them there's only one way to do things. Isn't that a totally anti-flesh? That you'd say this is how you do it, period. Jesus is the only way you can be saved. And people don't like that. People don't like that there could only be one way. This is so serious. I'm going to pick up where I left off this morning. Go to Galatians chapter 1. Be looking at your Bibles, please. Don't don't just be staring at me because I'm nothing to stare at. Amen? Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. Give me an amen when you get there. I'm going to read some verses now from here on that you have not heard in this series of messages the last few days. Galatians chapter 1. Watch how serious this is. Verse 6. I marvel. That word marvel means surprised, amazed, blown away. Paul is blown away. Watch this. That you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ. Look at this to a different gospel. Will you read that with me again? I am marvel, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. Watch this. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, watch this, or an angel, this is what I said at the altar call this morning, or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. That sounds pretty serious. If we or even an angel, so I said this morning, if an angel appeared right here on this stage right now, this is how serious this is. If an angel came down, and you knew it was an angel, and, and, and you saw the shining lights around it, and you heard the angelic heart music and everything else that happens when an angel appears, amen? And he, stopped, he said, stop talking. You're not talking the truth. There is another way. And he gave any other gospel than the gospel we're preaching. He said, let that place be accursed. Did you know that that's happened? That's happened. The Mormon church exists because Joseph Smith was visited by an angel. And the Spirit spoke to him and said, write these things, and he began to write other books. If he had been reading the Bible, he wouldn't have believed that. Even an angel. Some of you are, I don't know what you're thinking. One gospel, 
one God. 1 Corinthians 8. Go there. I told you I had a lot of scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. You don't, don't let the morning crowd beat you. They were a lot more exciting than you were tonight. Amen. Come on. Don't let that be. 1 Corinthians 8. You were all here. Amen. But where are they at? So the ones that aren't here, they were louder. Got to get you stirred up somehow. Yes. Yet for us, there is how many gods? 1 Corinthians 8, 6. One God. The Father of whom are all things, and we for him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we live. Amen? One God, one Lord, Jesus. Now quickly, to, 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 to bring this all into perspective, go to John chapter 6. How many have heard the teachings of Jesus in John chapter 6? This is probably one of the most straightforward, hardest preachings Jesus ever did. And he lost some disciples through it. Because they didn't understand. They didn't get a revelation of this. And I'm going to help you try to understand it tonight. He's preaching in John 6. It's one of the longest chapters in the, in the Gospels. And in verse uh, 53... We're going to pick up. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He says it again. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. Now, does that mean that Jesus actually wants us to eat his flesh? Drink his blood? Does the Bible actually mean that when Jesus said, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out, that he actually wants you to get a hanger and pluck your eye out? No, what he means is, take this serious. And what he means here in this chapter is, in this verse is, he's saying, you must understand that the blood and the flesh, my body and my blood, is the gospel. Do you get that? They didn't understand that he was going to go die for them. They didn't understand that he was going to become the sacrifice, beaten, bloodied, killed, destroyed. They didn't understand all that. They, they, they weren't getting it, and we know they didn't really get it even after he died. Because he went back to fishing. But Jesus is saying, if you cannot get this, you can't make it. If you don't understand my body, my flesh, and my blood, you don't get it. So it's all about the body of Jesus being beaten for us. It's all about the blood of Jesus being shed for us. He says, if you don't accept that and you don't believe that and you don't walk in that, you cannot be saved. That is salvation. Amen. On the cross. That is it. 
And so then later on in the verses, a little further down, I use this a lot in men's discipleship, the Bible says in the next following verses that many of his disciples, not the crowd, his disciples turned and walked away and said, this is hard. This is hard. You know why it was hard? Because they were thinking there's something about that they had to do. And this was something Jesus was going to do. When, you may, when salvation gets hard, it's because you try to put something on top of it that you can't do. Instead of saying, Jesus did it all. Jesus paid the price. Jesus is everything. My faith is 100% in Jesus. Amen? Now let's, let's, let's move on quickly in this. One of the things that I was listening to some interviews of Oprah that got her back in the day was I saw a little clip where she had heard the verse of Exodus 34, 14, where God said, I am a jealous God. And that bothered her. That bothered God, uh, Oprah that God would be jealous. Why would God be jealous of me? And she said, I just didn't get that, and that just turned me off. And she did, So I, I don't know if that's the, re, the day she started going the other direction or what. But God says in his word, he says... God is a, Exodus 34, 14, God is a jealous God. He says, you shall not worship any other God, for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. What does that mean? That means that God does not share his glory with anybody. God is not physically, sentimentally jealous. It means I'm not going to share my glory with anybody. I'm God and I'm God alone. Amen. And he will not share his glory. He will not let you have anything more important than him. God is wanting to be number one in your life tonight. You keep Jesus number one, you're good. Anything else begins to sink in, you got to push it back out again. Amen. So let's finish up in Matthew chapter 7. You're in John. Go over to Matthew chapter 7 and get this for your teaching, your doctrine, your understanding, as you witness and tell people about the Lord and about Jesus coming back and about him being the answer and, 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 and say these words and get these words in you that Jesus said. He said, the way into heaven is to enter, verse 13 of Matthew 7, by the narrow gate. Here's another misconception. We say the narrow gate and we think, well, that means a lot of people can't come in. Narrow means, means what it means. There's not a lot. It means there's not a bunch of paths. When he said, I'm the door, that means he's the only door. And I want to say this again tonight for anybody that hasn't heard this yet. I thank the Lord that God is the only way, that Jesus is the only way. I thank the Lord that he said, I am the only way. Because if, there, if he didn't say that and he left it up to us to find him, many of us would miss him. If he, if, he played, if he played games with us and said, hey, there's five ways to get to me, you try to figure it out, and if you get to me, you make heaven your home. That wouldn't be very fair. Are you understanding? Sometimes we think because it's narrow and, it's, and it's, we're narrow-minded and it's one way and it's the only way, we think, well, that's not, very, that's not very fair. What about the other people? They choose to do the other things. Jesus is very clear that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if you want to go to heaven, I'm the door. 
We read this morning that any person who comes any other way is a thief and a robber. You can try all the other ways you want, but you go knock on that door and that door shut, you're out. How many times have you read the parables in the, in the, in the Gospels? There's tons of parables on that. Being ready and not being ready. Having your lamp filled, not having your lamp filled. Walking with the Lord, not walking with the Lord. He does all these parables to get us to understand we have to walk through that door. That is only one door. Amen? Look at another scripture with me tonight. And then I want to have some prayer time. 2 John chapter 1. This sums it all up. 2 John, we're going to go back to 2 John again. 2 John chapter 1. We started here. Just one chapter. Verse 9. Actually, I think I read 7. Let's read 8. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. Now, this is doctrine. This is doctrine. This this is something we have to understand we believe. Verse 9. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. Okay? Abide means stay. Keep up. Continue. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. But if anyone comes to you, and this is the summary of everything I've talked about for the last three services, because of the mistake that I feel that this this, uh, preacher made. This is what he made right here. If anyone comes to you, and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. Amen? You can go and witness, you can go and talk, you can go and share your faith on all platforms, and God gives us platforms. Places where we can speak in the secular world. It's not a, that's not even what we're supposed to. We're not supposed to just be preaching in here. We're supposed to be preaching at work. We're supposed to be preaching at school. We're supposed to be preaching in the grocery store. But we're preaching Jesus and him crucified. And that he's the way, the truth, and the life. We don't allow the false doctrines to come into our house or into our ministry. We don't, as he did, he allowed Oprah to come into his ministry and share with him what he was doing, knowing that she believes in the spirit of the Antichrist. It's not that she's just going to come out and go, I have the spirit of Antichrist. No one's going to do that, but she has it. How does she have it? Because we've read it for the last three services. And I want to summarize this and bring it all back into perspective and make sure everybody's clear on this and make this almost like a Sunday school class tonight that you'd understand what the spirit of the Antichrist is. What is the spirit of the Antichrist? Number one, the spirit of the Antichrist is anybody who does not believe in the trinity of God, the divinity of God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. If you do not believe in the Trinity, because he said there, if you do not have the the Son, you cannot have the Father. 
Did you know that there are people who preach that Jesus is God, but Jesus is just Jesus. There's no God the Father, no God the Son, no God. It's just Jesus. There are people who preach that. There are obviously people who preach that there's just God. But God is very clear for us to understand, very important for us to understand God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You cannot, if you deny the Trinity, you deny God. I told you about my Muslim friend in high school. When he, when I got, when he got out of prison, he had converted to Islam. And he said, we believe in the same God. I said, no, we don't. Because you don't believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We don't believe in the same God. How many get what I'm saying? Second one is, the spirit of Antichrist, is anyone who denies that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. This is very important. What does that mean? That means that he was God. And I said this morning, he was born a virgin, and he walked on this earth as God, and he lived a perfect life, and he died for us. These are, this is an area, church, where you have got to become very narrow-minded because narrow is the gate. You open up and make it broad and, and try to accept other things. And listen, church, I'm going I'm to end with this. We are there right now. We are in the place where globally this is being set up. We talked about this at Men's Discipleship yesterday. It's globally being set up. World religions right now. All you young people, listen to me and pay attention. World religions right now are meeting. And they're discussing. And the Pope is one of the leaders of gathering all these world leaders together, all these world religions, and saying, we all love the same God. Let's all get along. Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace. It doesn't, that doesn't mean violence. It means there's going to be, my pastor calls it a collision of souls. When you preach the gospel, souls collide. Flesh and spirit collide. And you've got to understand that Jesus, remember this in the, in, when we talked about this Wednesday, Jesus was clear about this too. In the last days, more than ever, he says, you are going to be hated for my name. What, what don't we get about that? But modern day Christianity is not really preaching that too much because we're popular. Everybody loves us and we love everybody, but it, maybe it's because they're not preaching a, a confrontational gospel. And it's not like we're up here trying to be confrontational. We're just preaching what the Bible says. And Jesus said, you will be hated for my name. That means if you truly stand for Jesus, people are going to hate you. Because they hate the narrow-mindedness. They hate that there can't be just one way. They hate everything about it, but it's God's word. Amen. And in these last days, church, this is going to be coming, become more and more relevant. I said it a couple weeks ago. The true church of God is going to become more of a remnant. And the false church is going to become more like the world. And they're going to be very evil, easily deceived. Because they're not going to know who their Savior is. They're not going to know these key verses to be able to test the spirits, like the Bible says, and know what's God and what's not God. As the musicians come tonight, I want to I throw something out. I, I felt like saying this yesterday at the men's discipleship for whatever reason. There's a lot more I could get into it, but I want to I mention this so that you know this. Go to Revelations 20 with me real quick. This, this might for some people just kind of seem uh, out of where we're talking, but it's really not. 
because there's so much to talk about on the end times, I couldn't really ever get to it all. But if you go to Revelations 20 real quick, I want to read a verse to you. This is almost like if I could just tell you something real important tonight to keep you ready, it'd be good. How many believe tonight that Jesus could come at any moment? Any moment. Any moment. I talked uh, yesterday about how Syria is in this civil war and the United States is talking about bombing them. And if they bomb them, they will bomb Israel. And then I told them that Isaiah 17 shows a Israel, a, sorry, a Damascus that does not exist. If we bomb Syria, Syria will bomb Israel. Israel will nuke Damascus. And it could start World War III. That's where we're at. Could be a year, could be 10 years. I don't know how long it's going to be. I'm just telling you, we're there. And I don't say these things to scare you. I say them for you to be prepared. Because we don't have to be scared. We're bought by the blood of Jesus. Amen. We're saved. Our faith is in the Lord. Amen. We don't have to be afraid. But we do need to be uh, informed. And many of you weren't at the men's discipleship yesterday. But let me tell you something. God forbid you miss the rapture. I ain't preaching that, speaking that over anybody. That's why we're preaching the truth. Because I said this morning, when Jesus comes, I don't want everybody gone. Amen. I don't want anybody left behind. You've seen the videos. I want everybody to be gone. If you miss that rapture, chaos is going to break out. Like 9-11. And I want you to get this. I want you to listen to this. This is very important. This is something you've got to know. It's one of those things like, if you don't know anything else, know this. It's kind of like a survival kit. If you miss that rapture, you better know who Jesus is. You better not deny Jesus. You better say Jesus is Lord. Because what's going to begin to happen is martial law is going to begin to go into existence. Martial law means, and this is already an act, it's already done. It's already established. It happened in Patriot Act of 2001. At any moment, our president can declare martial law in the United States. At any moment. That means the laws that exist no longer exist. What they say goes. That can happen at any moment. At any moment that the United States feels threatened. If any kind of bomb went off here or any kind of thing started, they could declare martial law. And this is being set up right now. It's, it's behind the scenes. This is all happening because it's in the Bible. And if you got left behind, that martial law is going to begin to go out through the world, through the United States. They're going to begin to, to, to set up things, and it's going to be totally 100% against Jesus. Against Jesus. They're going to go into churches. They're going to shut them down. They're going to arrest people. And it's going to come down to this, to not spend any more time on this. They're going to come to you, and it's going to be this. Dwayne, do you deny Jesus? Do you believe Jesus Christ is Lord? If you don't deny him right now, you're dead. And that's what it's going to come down to. Period. Revelations 20. This is the end of the book. Verse 4, I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands 
and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. There's a lot more to read there. But get this. Just remember this. God forbid you get left behind. All you have to remember is I cannot deny Jesus. I cannot take the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast is going to be the, the number 666. It's going to be of the Antichrist. It's going to be the new world order. It's going to be one world government. There's going to be one world religion. There's going to be one world money. And for you to go to the doctor, people don't really realize what Obamacare is really about. For you to go to the doctor, you're going to have to have a chip. For you to buy food, you're going to have to have a chip. For you to do anything, you're going to have to have a chip. And the only way you get the chip is taking the mark of the beast, or deny, which is denying Jesus Christ. I'm not trying to scare you. This isn't science fiction or a movie. This is the Bible. Read it. What does the Bible mean? Basic instruction before leaving earth. You better get it. Amen? Read your manual. You don't have to be afraid. Jesus said... Don't be afraid. I have overcome the world. That's why we believe and preach a pre-tribulation rapture. That Jesus is going to take his church out before all these things happen. The best thing you can do is go in the first load. Amen? On the first trip. And you can let all the other people worry about this tribulation stuff. And if we're wrong, then you'll be ready for the tribulation. But I don't believe we're going to be here. So I'll end on good news. Amen. It's okay? Everything I'm saying is in the Bible, church. Let's bow our heads. Father, help us tonight. Help us get revelation. Help us get understanding. It's here. It's in your word. we got to make it tangible. We have to make it understandable. God, it all comes down to trusting and believing in the work of that you did on the cross for us. You paid the price. You shed your blood. You gave your body, Father, so that we could be saved. All over this place, from front to back and side to side, you're here, you're listening to my voice. God is speaking to you right now. And you're not saved. You're not washed in the blood of Jesus. You're not born again. Maybe you've been playing church. Today's your day of salvation if you're not ready I want to pray for you right now if Jesus came back right now if the trumpet of 1st Thessalonians 4 blew right now Jesus came for his church he raptured the church if you'd be left behind I want you to be saved tonight Jesus wants you to be saved tonight if that's you and you're not sure I want you to raise your hand and put it back down. I want to pray for you tonight. I want everybody in this place to be saved. I want everybody in this place to know. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. You know what? God's doing a work in our church. Thank God. Right tonight, thank God. No one raised their hand. That means you're, you're, you're praying, you're trusting, you're believing. That's okay. That's good. A lot of people came forward and got saved this morning. We don't want anybody to miss the rapture. We don't want anybody to be living in sin. We want people to be ready. We don't want, Jesus doesn't want to catch you by surprise. He's not trying to catch you by surprise. He's not trying to wait till you mess up to come back. Know that he loves you more than you could ever love him. And he loved you first. Let's stand to our feet tonight.
It's a Sunday night. You know what I want to do? I want us to pray for Denton. Amen. I want us to pray for Denton. I want to spend the rest of this month at the altar calls. Besides what God is doing on our parts individually, let's pray for this city. Let's pray for, let's pray for these mega churches that they would get come out of them. I'm serious. That they, that they would, the light would come on. And they would come out of those teachings and begin to, teach, to serve God. Amen. That they would say, you know what? There's something not being taught right. I'm a, get, I need to find a place where the truth is being taught. Or that these men would change. Start preaching the truth. And stop preaching for money. I believe our prayers can work, church. Amen. We need to begin to pray. We need to begin to intercede. Say, God, change these people. Change this city. Change these pastors. Lord, let them have nightmares like they should be having for preaching these false gospels. And let them come back to you. Amen. And let's pray tonight also for this country. Let's pray that our country would turn back to God. Amen. There's enough faith in here to make a difference. And as we do this for the next few services, let's remember this outreach we're going to have. Let's begin to pray for leading up to that day that we could see a mighty, mighty, amazing amount of people come into this church that are looking, church, that are out there looking. How many believe that there's people out there right now, not only that aren't saved, but that are searching, even searching for a church? Maybe even... Maybe even uh, just moved here and they're searching or or they're, they're realizing I'm, I'm not, I exist they're in a church and that church isn't preaching the truth and they need to find it. I don't know where, the, I don't know all the situations but I know that there's a lot of people out there that need to be in church so that they can be ready I said to the guys yesterday and I mean this with my, all my heart I don't have any enemies that I know of, I'm sure I have some but that I know of I wouldn't wish, my, I wouldn't wish the tribulation on my worst enemy I don't want anybody to be there. I don't want anybody to be there. It's going to be horrible. So we need to pray tonight. As we begin to sing this song, let's just come down, find a place. Let's pray for that specifically. If you've got something else you need to pray for, that's fine. But let's begin to intercede for the city of Denton. Let's begin to intercede for souls. Let's begin to intercede for, for lives to be changed, for people to come into our church and know Jesus through us. Let us do what we're called to do.